You are listening to the United States of Canada podcast, a love story between a Canadian and an American. I'm Farah the Canadian. And I'm Marv the American. So we are going to talk more about the K-1 visa process. That's right. Spoiler alert. It's finished. So I am back in the States permanently now, but we did want to go over the process for everyone who is considering or might be considering going through this K-1 process. Of course, things have changed due to the pandemic, but um, I think it'll be helpful to kind of go over step by step what it was really like for us. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's this is a follow up to an episode that we did. I believe it was episode five. Something like that. It was right. the first K-1 process right. and where we were at at that point. Right, right, right. So, yeah, always be plugging, always be plugging. Come back, <laughs> listen to that episode. <laughs> so, anyways, um, We had gotten some paperwork back in March Mm -hmm. saying that my interview, like I would be able to book my interview online. So I went online, fingers crossed, hoping that something would be available, some appointment, whatever. And this was still early days of the plague. So um, I was told that, oh, maybe it's just like down for a day or two, keep checking. So I remember we were talking about Mm -hmm. this and I kept checking the website And nothing was coming up, nothing was coming up, and the pandemic was getting worse, and we just knew that we weren't going to get an interview for quite some time. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was the hardest thing for me, is just not knowing when this would all be done, not... I mean, again, in the early days, we didn't even know when we would see each other again. Right. Exactly. And that was that was tough because, mm-hmm. you know, we were hoping to get the visa at some point in March, get married in May. Mm-hmm. Um, we had everything kind of planned out. Um, and then, yeah, like I didn't realize for a f- I think it was like a month or two that I could still fly to the States. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might have been even a little bit longer than that. Uh, but... March, April, May. Oh, yeah. I didn't come back until like June. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyways, um, yeah, so I guess we were just like waiting around, kind mm-hmm. of figuring, okay, well, we'll give it until this date, and if we don't have it by this date, I'll come back for for a while and come see you and what whatnot. So, yeah, then I came back in June, mm-hmm. and I came back in August. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we've been over that in previous episodes. Yes. So, yeah, um, after all of that, it was November? Yeah. So, yeah, we were planning for you to come in November. Right. And we were really worrying because we were trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we kind of... The logistics of everything. Yes, yes, yes. The logistics of everything is better than the way that I would put it. I'd say, how do we game the system a little bit? (laughs) Because, I mean, during this whole process, we're worried about things like, how long can you stay in the country? Um, If you stay too long, is that going to interfere? We don't want it to look like you'd moved here when you really haven't. Right. And... I guess Canadians are allowed to be in the States for up to six months or something um, with a rolling calendar year. It's just, it, it's all a mess. Right. Plus, I was getting CERB because I was uh, let go in March 
from my job. So I was getting $2,000 a month, which I was kind of afraid to lose because I didn't know when we would get the visa and how that would be like how that would impact my life. So <clears throat> you can actually go out of the country on Serb. So yeah, that's when I came to visit. Mm -hmm. And um, then after my Serb was depleted, I was eligible for EI or unemployment for you Americans listening. <laughs> uh, so I was getting unemployment, but on unemployment, you can't leave the country. Right. Or you, well, I mean, you can, but you'll, you'll lose your benefits. Right. So that was, that was super, super stressful as well. Um, I didn't really want to, you know, look for a new job knowing that I wasn't going to stick around and it was just everything. Yeah. And then not only that, but like coming to the States, you know, you have to have travel insurance if you're not an American citizen, if you don't have health insurance and nobody was providing health insurance. And it was just like, you know, it was like a logistical nightmare, booking tickets, booking insurance. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, depending on whether I was going to stay and for how long, getting rid of my car. There was just so much going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we put our lives on hold for this process just under normal circumstances. But now thinking like, okay, we have no idea when we're actually going to be able to get married, when we actually get our visa... You know, like you're saying, if you came here while you're on EI, you lose your EI. So the question is, is it worth losing your EI to come and, you know, uh, see me? And it's... Uh, what a fucking nightmare. And you were so sweet. You're like, you know, I'll, I'll take care of you. You know, don't worry about EI. So that was really sweet. I'm, you know, we're in a very privileged position where we can do that. But anyway, it's going to circle back to our actual point is I was planning to make another trip in November mm -hmm. and I was going to stay like past the new year. Mm -hmm. So I had booked my ticket. I had scheduled the surrender of my car. I scheduled my car insurance to end. I scheduled, like I scheduled everything. I scheduled health insurance and, and everything. Um, and then I think it was like, a week? Was it a week before I was supposed to fly out? It, it could not have been any more than a week. It yeah. might have been even less than I that. I think it was a little bit less than a week because, oh yeah, that was like three days of like me absolutely frantic. So I get a letter in the mail. Was it a letter? No, it was, no, it was an email. Mm. I got an email from the consulate saying that my interview was in two weeks. <laughs> so I immediately got drunk. <laughs> and, and then I started drunk calling all of my things that I had scheduled to reschedule them and it took forever I was on the phone I would say for at least at least 12 hours yeah considered all together with everything yeah because yeah. I had to let uh EI know I wasn't like I yeah, I wasn't leaving when I was planning on leaving. Mm -hmm. Had to change the date of my car insurance cancellation. Had to change the date of my uh, travel insurance. Like, it was just, I was just on the phone. Yeah. Like, for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me stories about all the fun you had just with the um, airline getting your... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, so... What all did you have to do for that? Because it seemed like they made it absolutely impossible. So what happened is my dad initially paid paid for my trip. She's doing air quotes. Yes, I, I should have said that. Um, with my uh, ticket 
for a ticket for me with uh, air mile points. Mm -hmm. And then we had to change it and they give you one free date change. But then we had to change it again. And then they, I couldn't actually go through the airline because it was considered a third party or something. So then I had to call Air Miles again. And I was on the phone on hold forever mm-hmm. with them to change the, the flight. And then, of course, that was $160 to change because I'd already changed it once. So I'm like, well, this is fucking great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was that was getting my ticket changed. Yeah, yeah. I was just on the phone forever with them. Yeah. Let, let's not mention the name of the airline because this podcast could be sponsored by that airline. Oh my God, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, uh, once that was all done, I started packing. Um, I had initially thought that I would have another trip mm-hmm. so I'd be able to come back. So now I'm kind of like, oh shit. Like, this is going to be my last trip. Mm-hmm. So I started packing some boxes and my suitcases and everything. And my dad is so sweet. He gave me his two suitcases because the luggage I bought for us was here in right. California. Um, so, yeah. So I was packing and, and getting ready for the interview. And that is kind of like where you came into play a lot because mm-hmm. I needed a lot of documentation from you. Right. So here is kind of an overview of what you need for... The consulate interview. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So the, I guess it varies depending on where exactly you're interviewing, which country you're in, but the Canadian consulates sent us a link to their webpage, right? And it's yeah. like a list of all the different things you would need. But instead of like breaking it down by this is what you need for the K-1 process, this is what you need if you're already married, this is what you're doing if you're immigrating for employment or... Or school school, or whatever, Yeah, whatever. They just kind of throw everything together and then they say, these are the documents you'll need if necessary. Right. So the two of us were on the phone, you know, talking, trying to get this figured out. And we're going through the list and like one of the questions is, oh... Is this something we need? Is right. This, is this a document we need? Like, is this even a document that we have? They're asking for paperwork we didn't have filled mm-hmm. out because we didn't need it. Right. Um, but they did send us an email as well mm-hmm. with more with a more specific list just for the K-1 visa. Mm-hmm. Um, so for myself, I needed, because I got my passport photos outside of the my two passport photos for the initial k1 application outside of the time limitation i had to get two new passport style photos mm-hmm. um i had to have my birth certificate my passport um my police background check Mm -hmm. and now that is not just like your regular criminal background check that's actually for canadians with it's with the rcmp so you actually have to go get your fingerprints done and then they mail you a letter um and mine was like oh she's not in the system which is a good sign which means i don't have a criminal record Mm -hmm. so i needed that with me and then you need photocopies of everything right yeah so the stuff i needed to provide well, number one, there's a um, document, like I forget the form number exactly, but it's a statement of financial support basically saying that when I brought Farah into the country, I was guaranteeing that she wasn't going to be... A drain on the system. Yes, yes. Not a welfare immigrant That's kind of right. 
Yeah, you're you're not leaving behind your two thousand dollars a month to get your one twelve hundred dollar payment. <laughs> Insane. That's another. That's probably a topic for another day. Yeah. But yeah, so I have to fill out this paperwork. It's basically saying. Uh, you this, have all the monies. I have all the monies. This is how much I make. If you make less than um, 150% of whatever the uh, poverty level is, yeah. you also need to have like additional money in your bank account. You may need to get like a second person to sponsor the uh, uh, visa beneficiary. Um, in addition to this, they asked for things like your proof of employment. So they wanted a letter from my employer saying, this is what I do and this is how long and I'm like a, a you know, a permanent employee. Well, I, I don't have that. And I only had, you know, a, a few weeks to kind of throw it together. So I ended up just making copies of my most recent, um, pay stubs. Yeah. Pay stubs. And, um, a performance evaluation to just show, hey, I'm actually like a permanent employee with my employer. Right. Uh, they also asked for records of your bank deposits over the past year. Um, my bank wouldn't do that. So I ended up just going online into my account and printing out a year's worth of bank statements. Yeah. They wanted proof of residency and i figured well it says right there on the bank statements where i live so hopefully that's good enough thankfully it was i was panicking about that i'm Mm. like you know can you send me like your electric bill or something and he's like it's fine (laughs) and it ended up being fine but still yeah although uh, i did forget something yeah you did so on the list of things that was required um, they say that you need to have a letter of intent to marry. And I, I'm almost certain, I'm certain, that I told him to type that up a few times. And I think you said it was part of the other yeah. paperwork or whatever. Yeah, and so- I'm like, I don't know. Because you need like a letter saying, I, Marvin, will marry Farah, blah, 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 you- when she comes here. Yeah, and so number one, I thought, well... They already have that. It was part of like our initial filing. And then I kind of got confused like, oh, well, is this like this proof? And um, I think I even like put on there like on the form that, you know, I'm going to provide you room and board until we get married. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting on the form I intend to marry you. So anyways, thankfully, you know, that was enough. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'll go over more of that in detail in, in a minute. But yeah, so uh, they needed your birth certificate as well. Yeah. Your divorce paperwork. Right. Um, what else? Uh, I think I also put in my original marriage certificate just to yeah. be Well, thorough. we didn't we didn't end up needing that. Right. Yeah. But we're just kind of like going over all the stuff that we needed, right? Right, right. Yeah, so yeah, like like oh, a little over a week before you're going to have your interview, um, I'm at uh, FedEx. Uh, this podcast is not brought to you by FedEx, but it could be blah, blah. You know the line by now. Um, so was that it, though, for everything in the package? I, I think, think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay, so yeah. yeah. So you're at FedEx. Right, yeah, thinking like, okay, well, you know have the original copy i didn't know if you would need like an extra copy so i made an extra copy of everything 
then I thought, well, what if this thing gets lost? It's like my only copy of like my divorce decree. And so, <laughs> you know, let me make a copy for myself. And now let me send all of this um, um, priority mail. Priority mail. Yeah. And at first I didn't know how much she said it was. I heard nine. It's like, oh, it's going to be nine dollars. And I was. Um... <laughs> well, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Yes. Yes. And then I was saying like, oh, well, you know, she, she needs this right away. How soon? So this is like a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And she said like, OK, well, it's going to get to Farah by Monday, you know, like a week before you needed to be in Montreal for your interview. It's like, yeah. OK, well, perfect. You'll you'll have it in plenty of time. And then I come time to like, you know, hand over my credit card. It, it turns out it wasn't nine. It was ninety six. <laughs> So yeah, that if you're gonna send a, a bunch of paperwork from California to Canada, priority mail, it'll cost you ninety six dollars. I I do have to n- nag you just just a little bit here, just a little bit, because I was nagging you for the paperwork for like a week before you sent it out. I think, and you you didn't have to send it priority or expedited or whatever. Just, just saying, we could have avoided that. Just saying. <laughs> I was busy. <laughs> oh my God. No, not an excuse. Anyways, <laughs> so anyways, I got it. Um, went through it, organized my stuff with his stuff, got everything ready to go, and then uh, I guess the day before my interview, um, well, I, I had a hotel booked as well in Montreal. So it's a six and a half hour drive, six hour drive. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. What day did you have the hotel booked for? Uh, the day before my interview. <laughs> <clears throat> so... <laughs> <laughs> like we said, we were rushing around trying to get everything done all at once. And somehow, I'm sure this was the hotel's fault. The, the hotel made the mistake, not us. Sure. But they... so, so my interview was in early December. Yes. Yes. No way, it was late, late October. Oh, November. Late November. There we yeah, go. Yeah, November. Yes. 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 And the the hotel, we'll blame the hotel. They uh, booked your room for late December. Right. Yeah. So, so that there's a, a yet another thing that needed to be dealt adjust, with. Dealt with. Yeah. Know, right before. Oh, I'm so glad I saw it. Like I was going through my my Google Calendar, and I'm like, this doesn't look right. <laughs> so then I I called them and I got it I got it switched over. But yeah. So anyways. Um, Got everything packed for my trip, and I made the six and a half hour drive to Montreal. Thankfully, the weather was really good going. Um, I, I don't even think I really stopped, mm. did I? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. It wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, so then I get to my hotel, and of course, it's downtown Montreal, so there's no parking. Um and the the hotel I stayed at, their little parking lot was kind of in an alleyway. And across the street, there was like a little outside parking lot. But I ended up parking at a different hotel's parking lot. And they said it was fine because you, you pay either way. 
Um, and the actual underground parking was a little bit cheaper too, which was surprising. So I parked at a different hotel, walked to my hotel, checked in. This hotel was absolute, absolute garbage. So on top of everything else, you know, I'm sleeping on a hard bed. I can't even sit on the toilet properly because it's right next to the shower. So my, my leg is against the shower door and I'm like, I can't even shit in peace right now. (laughs) And, um... Yeah, the the room was just, it was awful. But anyways, it was just a place to sleep until the interview. Mm -hmm. And I know the night before you went to go find the actual place where the interview would be. Yeah, the actual consulate because I... I'm a little bit anal retentive about things and I'm generally early to things. I like to have things planned, much to Marv's dismay. <laughs> I, I like to plan everything. So I wanted to make sure that I knew where the hell to go because my interview was at 8.30 in the morning. So I unpack, I take a shower, I get something to eat and then I kind of just like start wandering around and I can't find the consulate for the life of me. Like I am walking up and down. I see a, a building that has like immigration, an immigration services sign. So I go in and underneath that is a coffee shop. And I'm like, do you know where the consulate is? They're like, no. So at this point, I'm I'm texting you mm-hmm. in, an, in an utter panic because I'm like, I can't find the fucking consulate. Right, right. And like I'm on like, what's it like Google Maps, like street view. And I'm like thinking to myself like, okay, well, here's the address. Then I'm going on the consulate website. Okay, well, where's the address? Okay, well, this this says this is the right address. This has to be at the right address. But there's no fucking sign saying this is what the consulate is. Yeah. Yeah. So then I go back to my hotel and I go to the front desk. I'm like, listen, do you know exactly where the consulate is? And then thankfully, she's like, yeah, it's like inside the doors to the bank. So I I walked, I went out again, and this time it was like wet snow and it was kind of cold. Um, but I went out again and I, I passed by and then I look inside the doors, like the glass doors to the, I think it was the RBC. Mm-hmm. And then to the left, you see two consulate glass doors. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh, so we ended up finding the consulate Mm -hmm. and then I, I went back and got dinner where they forgot my drink and then came back (laughs) (laughs) and yeah, then kind of went to sleep. I think I texted you at like two in the morning saying Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep because the bed was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And was it like hot too or something? It was, yeah, it was hot. And then there were like holes in the ceiling where the smoke alarm was and they shoved like paper towel in the ceiling. Wonderful. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was yeah. great for $100 a night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, the next day comes and it's pretty, pretty fucking crazy. So I get there at 8.15 and I go in and the security guy, he asks for my passport and asks for my name and he's like, your interview isn't for another 15 minutes, go away. In essence, he's like, go grab a coffee or something and then come back. And I'm like, in what world can you finish a hot coffee in 15 minutes? Wonderful, beautiful Montreal, I guess. So I'm just like, no, I'll just stand outside and and vape. Um, (laughs) And then I meet 
this these two really really nice people and and they actually went in and got kicked out as well so <laughs> i walked over i'm like what time is your interview and they're like oh it's nine o'clock um i'm like yeah mine's 8 30 and then we started talking really really nice brother and sister so the sister was kind of in our situation but far worse mm. uh she was originally from iran mm-hmm so she, this was actually her second interview because of the travel ban. Mm-hmm. And she was waiting seven years to be with her oh, fiance. Wow. Yeah, it was wow. it was crazy. So, you know, counting our blessings here, at mm-hmm. least we didn't have to wait seven years. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was time for my interview. I went in. Um, there's like airport security at mm. the very beginning. <laughs> So like, you know, they, they check your purse, they check all your documents. If you have anything that's like considered dangerous, like my keys, they'll take them mm. and then put them in a locker and give you the locker key. Um, so I was like, okay. Isn't the locker key equally as dangerous? Shh, don't tell them that. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, then you go through like this uh, little metal detector scanner thingy and then they're like, okay, yeah, take the elevator, just go up one, one floor. And then you're in this like big DMV like, or I guess service Canada like, <laughs> um, waiting room. And, you know, they're like, well, go to, go to booth one or whatever. And there's already people waiting there. And I just went to kind of look around the corner and see, and this one girl's like, I'm ahead of you. I'm like, I'm just like looking, like calm down. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm like stressed out. I'm like, it's okay. I get it. So yeah, eventually uh, go up to the window, give this lady all of my documents. She asks me some initial questions. So this is not actually the interview yet. Mm -hmm. So they take all of the paperwork and she's like, oh, well, you're missing one piece. And I'm like, what piece? What piece was I missing? What piece could it possibly be? <laughs> the letter of intent to marry. So she writes that in big red letters with uh, with pencil crayon saying missing intent to marry letter. Um, and then she's like, okay, well, you know, to, we'll take your fingerprints. So they digitally take your fingerprints. Um, and then you kind of sit around and wait until your actual interview. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there now that like really nice girl I met has come up and we're chit chatting a little bit, exchanging pictures, you know, just talking about our dudes. And then it's time for my interview. So you just go back up to this like little booth window. I don't know how it was before, but this is how it is, you know, post COVID, I guess, or whatever. Um, So he's like this guy. He's just asking me um, none of the questions online. You know, like they didn't ask me your favorite color. They didn't ask me like, you know, what your favorite snack is. Just when did you guys meet? How often you guys met? Um, what you do for a living? Um, and that, I think that was it. Like my, mm-hmm. my entire interview lasted like 10 minutes. Wow. So driving 12 hours, 13 hours for a 10 minute interview. Jeez. Yeah. Spending money on a hotel and everything. Um, yeah. Imagine if you lived in like BC and had to go across the country for that. Yeah, that was that was crazy. That's crazy. Or like New Brunswick or mm. PEI or something. But yeah, so after that, they told me that I would get my. So they they keep your passport, and what they do is they put the visa inside your passport on a blank page. So make sure if you're if you're getting a K one visa, you have a blank page in your passport. Um, and then they send you uh, all of your documents and your passport 
back to you in a package. Now, they will say this over and over, but people are stupid, so I will say it again. They'll send you like a FedEx kind of envelope or a UPS envelope, and inside that envelope is your passport and a, a brown package that you do not open. It says it on the envelope. They have it sealed with tape and with like they've stamped it. Don't open the brown envelope. Okay. So, <laughs> so at this point, everything's kind of good to go. Um, and we just waited around until I could fly out here mm-hmm. and the airport. Now, this is yeah. kind of like the final step of the whole K-1 process in Canada part. Right. Um, so you kind of go through the airport. It's like the usual check your bags, you know, go through security. And then our point of entry, well, I flew out of Toronto. So there is U.S. Customs in Toronto. So it really depends on your airport. But with me, I was able to speak to an immigration officer or a homeland security officer at the airport. So when they asked me, what's the purpose of your trip? I said, I'm here on a K-1 visa. And then the lady at the booth asked me for my brown envelope, which I handed to her unopened. <laughs> um, and then she took me kind of to this like back room area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Homeland Security guy, uh, he was just like, oh, another one. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean another one? He's like, it's only like 11 in the morning and there's been three of you already. <laughs> and he's like, at this rate, Canada's not going to have any people. I'm like, yeah, sure. That, that's what's happening. We all want to run to the States and give up our health care. <laughs> but yeah, so he asked me a couple more questions just about where I'm staying. Um, made sure that like I wasn't in like an abusive relationship or I wasn't being sex trafficked. Um, and yeah, so after that, I just waited around a lot that day mm-hmm. and went... I flew to Chicago once that was done. And then from Chicago to Sacramento where you picked me up. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and with that, the K-1 process was complete. Well, almost. Almost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of an update on what has been happening. The process of going through the K-1 visa, whole rigmarole, Um if you are planning on going through this process and you need some non-legal advice or some tips on how to deal, you're more than welcome to reach out to us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are on TikTok and Twitter. Our handle is states underscore Canada. Uh, drop us a line. Uh, if you, like Farrah said, if you have any questions, you know, we'd be happy to tell you about what our experiences was um, if you have any other thoughts, stories that you'd like to share, we'd love to hear them. Absolutely. And with that, uh, until next time. Until next time.